begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you thanks for the gift of being here, of always being in your presence. Give us the grace to pray, to answer your invitation to simply be with you as we are, to receive your love. Open our hearts and our minds to a new way of thinking, a new way of being, to be reborn in your Holy Spirit and your Son Jesus, to live with you today as our Father, as your children. And Mary, intercede for us, help us to depend on God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So we're just going to review a little bit of what we talked about last time. Hopefully there's been a week of praying with it, processing it. Um, so just briefly to go through these quotes again and um, a little bit of the fundamentals. And then if there's any questions that have come up, uh, we had questions at the end that were very good. But if there's more that's been stirring in your heart or you didn't get to ask last time, we'll have time for that. And then um, just a little bit on ARRR, which is something I hinted at last time. Some of you have maybe heard of but never heard elucidated. And then to just pray um, and share some of our prayer with each other. So that's the plan. So... To review, the very first paragraph of the Catechism says, God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. It's very important uh, that this is the very first thing the Catechism says the Church teaches that's been revealed by God. Uh, it's not God, lonely and bored, made us to please Himself and keep Him company and do His chores. Uh, just God, it's impossible for God to need you because He's infinitely perfect and blessed in Himself. So the only reason you could exist is because He wills your existence freely and as a gift. And so our job then as creatures is to receive the gift. And all the drama of the Old Testament and all the drama of your life, basically, is this tension between God's intense desire to give you gifts and whatever obstacles are holding you back from receiving them. Uh, and letting God into those places so that he can give himself more, communicate himself more, be with you more intimately. So in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. Not just to have a really great life somewhere off in the distance and he could like send you nice letters and being like, how are you doing? I love you. I hope you're doing really well with all the stuff I gave you. But to share his own blessed life with you. 
you in him and he in you. This quote from the Corbon book I brought up last time, everything that can be identified as peculiarly Christian truth is in one way or another a derivative of the one central truth that man was created in order to live forever in personal communion with the Holy Trinity. With the sending of the Spirit from the Father through the risen Lord to bind believers to the beloved Son, and so bring them into personal communion with the Father of all, the ecclesial body of Christ was born. So in simple language, this is not, what we're talking about here is not for certain special Christians. That normally what you do is you just don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent and go to confession once a year, and then you die and you go to heaven. But then there's certain people like St. Therese or St. Francis Xavier or something, you know, who, who like actually are friends with God. That's for everybody. And that's what heaven actually is, is personal, living forever in personal communion with the Holy Trinity. Which sounds really sublime and complicated, but as Jesus tells it, it's pretty simple, actually. He's hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but revealed them to the childlike. In a way, the more simple we are, the more easy it is for God to communicate himself to us. In the New Covenant, prayer is the living relationship of the children of God with their Father who is good beyond measure, with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. The grace of the kingdom is the union of the entire holy and royal trinity with the whole human spirit. Thus, the life of prayer is the habit of being in the presence of the thrice holy God and in communion with Him. This communion of life is always possible because through baptism we have already been united with Christ. Prayer is Christian insofar as it is communion with Christ and extends through the ch- throughout the church, which is his body. Its dimensions are those of Christ's love. The life of prayer is the habit of being in the presence of the thrice holy God and in communion with him. Sometimes I think, you know, if we haven't had a deep experience in prayer or it's been a while and we start to kind of slip back into self-reliance and prayer as technique and not as friendship. Um, or for whatever reason, this is, maybe it's just like easier to imagine. We think of prayer as kind of like God sending these messages in bottles down from heaven. And like we have to be in a place to get them. And then we like decode them. What does this mean? What's God trying to say to me? And if we, we're not good enough with spirit, or spiritually advanced, we go to a spiritual director and be like, what does this mean, this thought I had or this feeling I have? Um, and then if we get it, then we can like send him messages back um, or do the thing that he told us to do. And now we're doing what prayer is supposed to be. Um, when in fact what, what he's communicating is not messages, it's himself. Uh, it's he who wants to be with you. So there's a a scene in the book A Severe Mercy. Did I bring this up last time? About the rainbow. Um, it's a book called A Severe Mercy. It's a, an autobiography of a man who was an atheist and he and his wife fell in love before their conversions and then they had a conversion. And uh, It's just kind of their, their love story but in the context of waking up to the reality of God. Um, and there's a very uh, poignant moment in the book but something very sad has happened, and he's driving, and he sees a rainbow. And 
<clears throat> in his mind, he's like, is this God telling me that he's present in this moment? Uh, yeah, maybe, but maybe I'm just projecting that on and it's just a coincidence that there, it happened to have rained today and that the light is passing through in such a way that on the road I'm driving on. That, like his old kind of rationalist, materialist argument in his, in his heart was going on um, about this rainbow. But then he was able to kind of like step back a layer further and realize like, well, God is present to this argument that's happening in my heart right now. Um, and he knows about my doubts and the way I think and all this stuff. And, but the fact is when I saw that rainbow, my heart lifted. And it made me feel... God's presence, that he, I was not alone. It was a, a reminder that in this deep sadness and, and darkness, there is this light and this beauty and this goodness. And that certainly matters to God. You know, and in a way, like refracted light and frequencies and spectrums and all that stuff is like not as real as what's going on in his heart. And, and that, I think, is the insight that can help us out of that message in a bottle mentality that like God is writing on a blackboard and then hiding himself. And then we go read the blackboard and be like, what's God saying today? Um, but that he actually wants to talk to you. Uh, not about other stuff, but you and him and your friendship. Uh, and so there's no agenda in prayer other than just being with him. St. Ignatius talks about this in uh, the spiritual exercises. The spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius are just a retreat, basically, um, that St. Ignatius Loyola designed to help people, specifically his brothers, the Jesuits, to, um, to enter into this, this habit of con- contemplation. Um, the full spiritual exercises is 30 days of silence and five hours of prayer a day and there's certain things you're supposed to meditate on in the life of Christ and all this stuff. Um, But in the directions to spiritual directors, those directing people on this retreat, he says something to the effect of it's um, whenever possible, it is always preferable to allow the creator to deal directly with his creature. Meaning um, somebody comes into spiritual direction and like I had this this experience in prayer, uh, what am I supposed to do about it? The director, the temptation of the director, just as the directee, is to like figure it out, sift it, read the tea leaves, uh, be like, hmm, I think it means that you're supposed to do this. Like, you're not God. You don't know what, it, you didn't send the message, you don't know what it means, certainly not going to help interpret it. Um, so it's, it's to talk to God about it, you know, like let, let the creator talk to the creature, like, Okay, you had this experience. How are you right now in the presence of God? And, who, and what is God like for you? To just help that the director's job is to help the directee develop the habit of being in the presence of, of the thrice holy God. And to live as if the supernatural is the more real. Not to, to belabor the point, but that's so often what we do. We put the cart before the horse. We think the point of the Christian life is doing stuff. Like the point of discerning your vocation. 
why you're sitting in the chapel every day is to figure out, is God calling me to be a priest? Who's God calling me to marry? Whatever, you know? Like, the marriage is the point, or the priesthood is the point. The point of the priesthood, the point of the marriage, the point of the vocation is intimacy with him. That he wants you to collaborate in his mission in some way so that you can become his friend. Again, from the Catechism, where does prayer come from? Whether prayer is expressed in words or gestures, it is the whole man who prays. According to Scripture, it is the heart that prays. If our heart is far from God, the words of prayer are in vain. So what is the heart? The heart is the dwelling place where I am, where I live. The heart is the place to which I withdraw. The heart is our hidden center. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. It is the place of encounter, because as image of God we live in relation. It is the place of covenant. So we're made in the image of God. And God is Trinity. God is three persons in one God, the subsistent relations, the utter communion, perfection. God is love. So if we're made in his image, then our heart, which is our, our self, our whole being, the center of us, into which God is pouring his love, his existence, his being, we're made in and for relationship. And so prayer is not, you know, maybe there's a fear that like, oh, I'm just going to go in there blind and like dive into my heart and I'm just going to kind of like be basically like mindfulness or meditation or um, sort of being by myself and trying to calm myself. And it's like this therapeutic technique um, to go into my heart. But it's just not the case because especially since you're baptized, that's where the Holy, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you and animates you. Just as Jesus said the to the woman at the well, if you ask for this living water, it would become in you a spring welling up to eternal life. It's an image of your heart. God has communicated himself to you. And now when he looks at you, he sees his son. So you're being drawn into this relationship all the time. But St. Augustine, he said in his famous uh, passage where he says, Beauty ever ancient, ever new, how late have I loved you. He says... You were within and I was without. And I lost myself and created things instead of, the, instead of the creator of them all. Like he was out looking at all the things God had made and pursuing them. Like that's maybe why I'm built. Maybe that's what I'm made for. Maybe that's what's going to make me happy. He said you were within the whole time. So he had to withdraw into his heart in order to talk to God, in order to even receive the grace that he needed to, to let go. And that the very first sentence of the, or near the first sentence of the confessions, Lord, you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So the heart, it's a mystery to us. We enter into it, and it's already relating to God. The heart is the place to which I withdraw. There's another cool thing about being human, is that sometimes we think like, oh man, if I could just go to a monastery, if I could just go on retreat or if I could just find somewhere to like shut out all the noise and busyness and distraction then I could pray but actually like you've got that place in you wherever you're at in traffic in class in the chapel in the shower it's your heart you can always withdraw 
to your hidden center, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. That's the advice Jesus has about prayer. Go to your inner room and pray in secret. Okay, and the last quote, God calls man first. Man may forget his creator or hide hard far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. In prayer, the faithful God's initiative of love always comes first. Our own first step is always a response. As God gradually reveals himself and reveals man to himself, prayer appears as a reciprocal call, a covenant drama. Through words and actions, this drama engages the heart. So it was said that St. Ignatius somewhere says in the spiritual exercises, that call to mind that God is laboring to love you. One priest said it once that there's no neutral li- there's no neutral in the spiritual life like we're just coasting like I've done pretty well um, I'm pretty close to God I don't think I'm getting any worse but I'm not getting any deeper so we're just kind of in cruise control right now God is, always wants more for you He never gets tired of knowing more about you of becoming more intimate with you closer to you and not only that so He not only wants more for you wants more closeness, more intimacy, more nearness. But he is working really hard to bring it about. You could be sitting there distracted, bored, annoyed that God's not calling, you know. Man may forget his creator, hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. So at the risk of comparing ourselves to St. Ignatius. I, I was moved by this thing from his uh, biography where he could, at the end of his life, you know, most of his best friends he'd sent off to missions. And he's just kind of by himself in Rome, running the Jesuit order, his new, new order, from there. And uh, he would go step out onto the, the veranda or the porch or whatever uh, after like writing all this correspondence and doing all this administrative work. And uh, just call to mind the fact that the Trinity is laboring to love him out on the port, and he would just start crying. He was so moved. Maybe not every time. Maybe sometimes he was in desolation, but <laughs> it's a, like that's what it's a risk. He's not. He didn't become so good at this that he could make himself cry. It's just that he's in the habit of being in the presence of the thrice holy God and in communion with Him. Even though he's doing such mundane administrative work, he's still able, at the drop of a hat, to not be like, this is what I'm, if I could just do this and finish this work, then I'd be, you know, could be at rest. It's like at any moment, at the drop of a hat, God is tirelessly calling. That's what he wants. It's for us to receive his love, to be more near to him. It's also good to just notice what's stirring in your own heart right now much more important that you actually pray than that you, quote, learn how to pray. If our heart is far from God, the words of prayer are in vain. There's a um, part of C.S. Lewis's autobiography, Surprised by Joy. Anybody read that book? Uh, It's very good. He, you you may know, C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, a famous Christian. He wasn't Catholic. He's Anglican, but many of his Books and writings uh, comport very well with Catholic belief and teaching. But nevertheless, he passed through the crucible of atheism as uh, like a young man. And he studied the classics. Uh, but early, early in his life, he was 
uh, he had some kind of conversion experience or something as a teenager and became like extremely scrupulous um, and specifically about prayer. And he had this whole routine that he kind of invented for himself of prayers at night. Uh, this was like how he was going to perfect his soul. And um, he would have this regimen of prayers and he would be praying them and then realize that his heart was distracted and so he had to start all over. And he started praying again. And like, it was just like this Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill, it keeps rolling back down. Like he could not do it the way that he thought he needed to do it. Um, there was always some way he could be critical about his intentionality, his motivation, whatever, his purity of heart. And it ended up getting so bad, this neuroses about his prayer, that he just stopped believing in God. He's like, God could not be this cruel. Uh, There must not be a God. And he just got so angry at the whole project, he just gave it all up completely. And then for years wandered and uh, then finally realized like, oh, he never asked me to do that. Um, so that's the, the danger. When you read something like that, there, there can be a sense of like, oh, if my heart is far from God, the words of prayer in vain, then I'm, I'm doing it wrong. Uh, the point of this statement, I believe, is that um, it's not like it doesn't do us any good to just say words to God. Um, what God really wants is our hearts. And the words, if they help us donate our heart to God, give him more access to our hearts, then those words are good. And that's the, that's the point of the word. You know, it's like we're not going to throw away the words of the Mass or the Bible or the Liturgy of the Hours because they're not doing me any subjective good. You know, again, you always have to kind of have a, a perspective of the objective and the subjective because uh, sometimes you're just not into it and sometimes the Mass is boring, but that's because you aren't participating in it fully. You're, you're not preparing yourself. You, you didn't sleep enough last night. But yeah, the, the heart, if the heart is far from God, in another way this phrase also bothers me because the heart is really never far from God. God is everywhere. It's God who's tirelessly calling you to the mysterious encounter known as prayer. He will come chase you down. But it's this experience of feeling that the heart is like, and we've all had this, that we just, nothing's going on. I have no feeling of God's presence. I kind of feel trapped, stuck in like a loop of self-criticism and stuff. So we're not going to get out of that by being more self-critical. That was what C.S. Lewis was experiencing. It was like, I need my heart to be better. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kick the crap out of it until it submits and does what I want it to do. And what, what he needed to do in that moment was to just ask for help, open his heart to God. And so it's very, actually very simple to do that, because what you do is you're just turning back around and realizing, oh, you've been chasing me down this whole time, and I've been, like, worried about trying to be better, so I'm just running away from you trying to do it on my own. Questions? Like, how do you reconcile um, that, that sentiment of, like, that God is tirelessly laboring to, like, love us and to, for more intimacy in us with us, but, like, at the same time, we can't just, like, it's not just like we walk into a chapel, sit down, and like bombarded by God you know like it does mm-hmm. take our cooperation as well mm-hmm. so like where's that line between like self-reliance of like I'm going to make like I'm going to do prayer well mm-hmm. and like but God is the one who like seeking after us first mm-hmm. do you have any experience with that what's your what's your experience <laughs> it's a great question 
What do you mean by my experience? Like a, a, a time like where that's kind of been the case where you go in really passive and then you go in really active or like you hit that, that spot where it's like, no, I'm going in here to receive, but I'm not, I'm not just like this blob that got, you know, it doesn't participate in it. Yeah, I think I have to like consciously like what I often will happen is it's like the, the question of like what is God like to you in this mo- or like in this space you know kind of thing and I kind of like come up with how I think I would want God to respond mm-hmm. um, and assume like oh that's how he's responding because that's how I would want him to respond right um, but to like be like well I don't actually know if that's the case because I'm not God mm-hmm. um, and having to like kind of I don't, renounce is a strong word. Um, but like separate from that and just try to be more like passive and receptive, I guess. Um, but then it feels like I'm trying hard to be passive and receptive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's really well said. It's pretty mysterious and it's not like, oh, it's really hard to master this. You always have to be careful about, uh, that like, oh, if I was just better at this, I mean, some of it is just like having a sense of humor about ourselves that we do get tra- caught in these loops of self-criticism or self-distance and we get out of our hearts and into like what like the critic of about what <laughs> I talked to my homily yesterday about being in a a moment with God and then thinking to myself oh I could share this during God moments you know like just the very subtle ways that we are silly <laughs> creatures um, and you know like it's kind of like when somebody asks uh it's like, how do you know you're not dreaming right now? You know, you could be in a dream and just like, you'd wake up and realize like, oh, that prayer class didn't even happen. Like, how do you know you're not dreaming right now? Anybody? Ella? My foot's currently numb and I can feel the <laughs> Maybe that's part of the dream. <laughs> I can't feel things in my dreams. The answer is you just know. Right? Like, that's how you operate in reality all the time. It could be that you're dreaming, but you know you're not. So it's, it's like this weird thing of like human consciousness. And if you, I used the analogy last time too of like doing heart surgery on yourself. Uh, you know, if you're, you're like sitting in the chapel just cutting and snipping and sewing things back up and you're healing yourself, you know. Uh, if I just knew how to pray better, I could, I could tell God, like, this part now. This part now, um, but you're, you know, but you're also not. It's a failing analogy because you're also not just totally unconscious, letting God just do whatever He wants. You know, uh, there is this collaboration of divine and human freedom happening. But um, the challenge is to enter into yourself. It's the heart that prays. The heart is our hidden center. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. Um, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but the answer is to just be in your heart and be with God. And Jesus says that sheep know my voice, you know, and like you can tell when you're making, making believe, you know, like, oh, I'm really sad about this thing. What do you think, God? And you're like, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And it just feels tinny. It feels made up, you know, but then the alternative is being like, I'm really sad about this thing. And then you, what do you think about it, God? Chirp, 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 chirp. Nothing's happening. Um, and that's whatever. You have to kind of let it be what it's going to be. Like, are you, are you going to be honest? 
and just experience reality as it is? Or are you going to try to like engineer an outcome, make something happen? But you will know when it's God. Your heart is for him. Anything else? Other questions? Ali. The last sentence, the last quote, um, are the words and actions ours or God's? Because it says that like, that's the drama that engages the heart. Mm. As God gradually reveals himself and reveals man to himself, prayer appears as a reciprocal call, a covenant drama. Through words and actions, this drama engages the heart. It's mutual, okay. right? Gradually reveals himself and reveals man to himself. Prayer appears as a reciprocal call, a covenant drama. That's, like, that's the mystery of what could God get out of this? But he wants to be with us. So we're engaging our own heart? And... Yeah. Okay. And we'll get into that with the ARRR thing. But yeah, we're, we're engaging our own heart. We're allowing God to engage with our heart. Daniel. This is kind of building up Monica's question. Sometimes maybe I go to pray and I'm like, okay, let's, you know, ARR, let's acknowledge what's going on, what am I hearing? And I realize what I'm hearing is probably the evil spirit in the sermon of So like, that isn't really what God would say, but this is what I'm feeling. I'm bringing it to the Lord. And now I've, I'm like, I feel stuck. I'm like, okay, God, what would you say though? Like, do I just drop this because this is clearly not from you? Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the alternative is, and it's not like I can just force. You can't just force. I'm now going to feel the good spirit and go, mm-hmm. or something like that. But I also don't want to just sit there and hold the hour for the next 45 minutes, thinking about this like shame loop or something like that. Just like, mm-hmm. oh God, I feel so bad. I'm just going to dwell on what Satan's telling me right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it makes sense. I think so. Could you talk more about how you know it's the evil spirit? Um. Well, it's, I'm, I'm thinking of discernment of spirits of here, like, okay, well, this is leading me to anxiety and shame and beating myself up. It's not uh, leading me to an increase in faith, hope, and love at all. This is, like, it would seem, based on the, the best use of my reason, that what I'm, what I'm feeling right now is not, uh, is not coming from God. It's something like, oh, you know, you know, Bible study went badly last night, like, you must be a bad missionary, or something like that, or you're bad. I'm like, okay, I know that that's not, you know, that kind of thing doesn't come from the Lord. That's, like, not how he speaks. Mm. But then I'm like, but now what, where do I go with it? And I know, I am intellectually know it's not true, but where do I go with this in prayer? Mm-hmm. Can I share a thought on it? Unless you want to go there. Um, let me just say this. Uh... So one thing we haven't talked about is thoughts, feelings, and desires. Um, those are what, what you attend to in your heart. That's basically what's the contents of your heart, are thoughts, feelings, and desires. And that's what you're sharing with God and relating to him. So this statement, Bible study went bad last night. I'm a bad missionary. Those are thoughts. And they're in your heart. And they're real. Maybe they're from the evil one. Maybe they're from your own wounded human nature. Maybe they're from God. We'll just leave that to another day for now. But like what you're acknowledging with this thought that is objectively in your heart is that it provokes a feeling response of shame, right? Or, I mean, can you talk about what the feeling is with that thought? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's just a, an example, a hypothetical example, but um, yeah, the feeling is, yeah, maybe I could have done something differently to produce a different result. And maybe if there was some other missionary, they would have figured that out faster than me or something like that. And mm-hmm. I should have figured it out faster. Mm-hmm. Or I, I should have done this thing, and because I didn't now, X, Y, and Z is going to happen, and it's my fault. And mm-hmm. um, I should feel bad about that and try harder next time or something mm-hmm. like that. That's great. All of those are thoughts. I should have done, another missionary would have done this better. I should be, I should feel bad about that. You use the word feel there, but it's still a thought. So that's just an important thing to notice. Like a lot of times what we're doing in prayer is just thinking and having thoughts. And you can relate thoughts to God and he wants to hear your thoughts. But like part of the first step is to just acknowledge what's really going on in my heart. Because if you're not aware, you can't share it. So you're, you're thinking, you're thinking, and that's, so when you think about the fact that another missionary would have done this better, you should have thought of this. You should have worked harder. You, sh- you should feel bad. <laughs> what do you, f- what is the, f- if you can just be like aware of what's going on in your heart on the feeling level at the fact that you're caught in these thoughts. It could be really simple. It could just be sad. I'm sad about that. Or I'm scared. Because I've been at this this long and I'm still this bad. I'm just scared, God. Like, am I going to always suck at this? Or I'm angry. Like, why didn't you, why am I still like this? But just to notice what, like, what's the feeling there? And then, I always bring up the caboose, but most important in my book is desire. Like, what, what do you, why does that make you angry? You know, what do you want? Why do you want to lead a great Bible study? Oh, because it's, you know, because I want to glorify you and, you know, good, good, be good for your kingdom and be a good servant. And I, just, I, I swear my motives are totally pure. It's not for me at all, God. It's all you. And God's like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Instead of just like saying, because I want to be great. I want to be special. I want to be the best. I want people to know how much I love God and just see my goodness. I want to be seen. I want to be important. You know, like, those are desires, and they're not bad. They need to be purified. They need to be disciplined, maybe, directed towards a proper end. Especially with desires, but also with feelings, there is this natural tendency as Christians to repress I'm not supposed to want that. I'm not supposed to be feeling that right now. Repress that. And then, especially if they're attached to thoughts, stop thinking about that. Especially with sex. <laughs> like, oh, that's, a, that's arousing a desire in me or a feeling. That's bad. Stop thinking about it. Good luck with that. You know, but anything, like thoughts that make us angry. Thoughts, that's, thoughts that lead to Pride. Like, I want to be great, or I want to be special. Stop thinking about that. You're supposed to be humble. I think what the church is teaching through this stuff in the catechism, that God does not want you to repress your heart. He wants you to relate it. He wants you to talk to him about your thoughts, your feelings, your desires. So that's what I would say, is that like you, you're aware of this thought pattern that's happening. I think it's the evil one. Because God doesn't talk to me like that. Well, 
how do you know it's the evil one? Because when I, when I think about this, it makes me feel ashamed and scared and angry and alone. And God doesn't say things to me that provoke those feelings. Like he does, he's kind, he's loving, he's encouraging. And so I'm not just like reading tea leaves or messages in bottles and decoding them by my feeling heart thing. Like I have this decoder ring inside me and that's not from God. It's not, it's not so much important that you get really good at discerning or sifting what's from God, what's from the devil, what's from your own wounded human nature. It's the point of discernment of spirits and we won't have time to get into it much in these five weeks, but is St. Ignatius says to notice what's from the good spirit and receive it, period. It's not to figure out what God's telling you and then go do a vocation or, or something like that. It's simply so that you know what God wants you to receive and then you ask the grace to, to just receive it. We're kind of already getting into ARRR, but just so you, you can write this down if you want, if you need to remember, but acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. So again, this is not a tech, I mean, it is a technique in a sense, but it's not meant to be like, oh, I'm going in and I'm doing ARRR right now. Um, it's really just a way of understanding how conversation happens between people who are intimate friends. Does anybody like small talk? You like small talk, Ali? <laughs> I mean, small talk is nice for a time. It's comfortable. You can talk about the weather. You can talk about sports, whatever. Things that don't actually matter to you. Uh, and it's a way of like just signaling to the other person like, hey, we're both human beings. We're in the same place right now. We've got to pass some time. It's awkward to just stand here and just say nothing, so I'm just going to go blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember this conversation. It doesn't matter to me. But maybe you matter to me, and it was pleasant. But like actual real talk, intimacy talk, is where you're, you're sharing the contents of your heart. St. Alred of Raveau said about spiritual friendship, he said, a friend is someone with whom I have no qualms about sharing the entire contents of my heart. Personally, I think along with that definition, the only friend you have is God. Because even your spouse, there's things you can't communicate. Even this quote from the Catechism, the heart is our hidden center. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. So all the more important to be God's friend, because then you, at least you have a friend. So what ARRR is, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, is just how you talk to a, a friend about what's really going on. <clears throat> and not, it's not just this one-sided thing like, oh, I have a friend, so I can just disclose my heart to them. And like they're just this sump for all my bad feelings and stuff. Like, I just use this person to make me feel better. But there's a mutuality. There's this reciprocal call. The relate, receive, respond. There's this back and forth. And sometimes it's like, it's so simultaneous or it's not really these discrete steps. So it can be kind of confusing. Like, am I relating right now or am I receiving right now? Or am I responding right now? It's easier sometimes in spiritual direction to see it. Because, you know, like... Daniel, if you, I was directing you, and you came in, and you said, all during Holy Hour this morning, all I could think about was how bad Bible study went really bad, and, uh, and I should be better by now, and blah, 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 and I think it's from the evil one, um, but I can't get out of it. And I would say, okay, what do you feel when you hear, hear these thoughts? You know, like what we just did, and you talk about your feeling. Okay, what do you desire? What are some desires? And you talk about your desires. And I'd say, can you talk to God about that? Can you relate that to God? 
And then maybe we would even be quiet and just let you relate it. And I would be praying for you, and I'd be praying, and I'd be relating to God. We'd be acknowledging the truth that the thrice holy God is present in the room. He's trying to communicate himself to you and to me. And then you'd say, yeah, I'm just really scared. Okay. Now, how is God towards you in that? How do you perceive him present to you in that scaredness? Then you'd go back into your heart. And you'd say, he understands, he knows. And maybe that's all you have to say about that. Like, he just, you just know that he knows that you're scared. And then I'd say something like, what's going on in your heart at that? Like, <clears throat> realizing that he knows that he's so present to this, this fear in your heart. I don't know what you'd say, Daniel, but it'd be something really deep. <laughs> you know, you'd just be like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to be at rest. I just want to be, I want to, I want to stop working so hard and to just be with him. And be like, okay, that's great. Wow. What do you think's in, in the Lord's heart there? What, what, not what do you think, but like, what, what is he doing? He just wants to be with me too. Okay, well, let's just do that then. Let's just be with him right now. And then you're just with him. And then you're praying. And there's nothing else you need to do. There's nothing else God's asking you to do. That's the gold. That's the treasure. You just found the treasure buried in a field. Sell everything and go buy it. That's heaven right there. So just to break that down into steps, to acknowledge is what we've been talking about, the thoughts, feelings, and desires that are in your heart. Come in to pray. Or, well, let's just say when you're praying. But this could happen anytime. You could be driving. You could be in class. You could be with your family. But let's say you're going in intentionally to pray. And you have a, something that's in your heart, on your heart. Maybe like there's something that you wanted to pray with. That you're leaving off from yesterday. This passage in the gospel, whatever. And you sit down to pray. And as you're reading this gospel or meditating on this mystery of the rosary or something, something stirs in your heart. There's a thought, there's a feeling, there's a desire. Then you just relate it to God. Like the Daniel example, you know, like, I'm scared or I'm, I'm anxious or I'm, I'm angry. Okay? That's, that's what's happening. And we, if we skip the acknowledge and try to go right to relate, that's when we get caught in thought loops and things like that. It's like, we're really just, my friend calls it the anti-trinity. Me talking to myself about myself. We're not entering into the presence of the, the actual Trinity who's laboring to love us. So it's important to just, just first acknowledge what's going on and to really plumb, especially into feelings and desires. And then the second step, relate it to God. And that's, it's a very mysterious thing. Like, what is, it, what is Father saying when he says, okay, talk to God about that? You know, sometimes we feel a little silly, especially if we're like, okay, God, I'm scared. You know, like we're saying it like it's magic words or something that we're trying to conjure his presence in it, but it, there's just an honesty to it, and you, and you know it when you're talking to a friend. Like, sometimes there's just, like, the butterflies feeling, like, we're doing small talk right now, but there's something I really just need to say to you. Um, and I'm nervous about how you're going to receive it, if I'm really safe here to, to say this to you. And like, so you know in your heart when you're just being vulnerable, when you're opening up, and that's to God. Like, he's here. That's why I'm re-quoting the catechism. Like, this is real. This isn't make-believe. This is not weird Gnostic spiritualism. This is Christianity. 
He is present to you and he wants to know you. He wants to be your friend. So to just open your heart to God, to relate it to him. And then the receive step is patiently waiting. You know, there will be the temptation, like Monica said, to jump to like, oh, he's saying this, or I think he would say this. If, if I were him, I'd say this, you know, um, to just be yourself and let God be himself. It's a relationship. Relationships are risky. If you relate something vulnerable to a friend, you're in, you're in a spot where you, you don't get to create the outcome. It depends on their goodness, their kindness, their understanding. But you will know. Believe me. And it's also helpful just to remember, God calls us to pray as we can, not as we can't. Somebody else is having tea with Jesus in their prayer experiences, and you're like, wow, that sounds really good or lame. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't... Is that really how God is? Like, maybe I don't really like God. Like, it's really weird. Um, okay, talk to God about that. Like, what, how does that make you feel that you think God maybe is, like, just this soft, weird touchy-feely, you know, that's how I, especially when I first learned all this stuff and I heard people sharing their prayer experiences, I'm like, ugh, it sounds so sentimental, <laughs> you know, and unmanly. And, um, well, God doesn't call us to pray like that person, you know, and I can maybe talk to God about the fact that, like, are those really your friends? Like, I don't even want to be friends with people that talk like, you know, like in your own, and then maybe insecurity about that. Does that make me a jerk? you know, um, or selfish or self-righteous or what, you know. Your heart is a mystery, but it's real and it's important to God. So he calls you to pray as you can, not as you can't. So really, to not skip receive. That's where we got to that spot with, with Daniel's made-up spiritual direction. Where it's like, oh, he just wants to be with me in it, in this fear. That's great. Then the last R, respond. So what do you, what's in your heart? that you know this, like, that God wants to be with you, that he's present to you in this. Well, I, I just want to be with him. That's all the response you need in that case. So let's do that. Let's just be with him there. And the best spiritual direction is when you are there for a while, and then you're like, let's make another appointment. Now go pray. You know, like, you're just helping this person talk to the creator, not giving them tools and tricks. Or the next thing they should pray with, or, you know, I'm some guru that knows how to advance you along in this path. It's just, I'm helping you. I've heard somebody said it was like, you're being like a marriage counselor. You're just trying to get this one to talk to that one. <laughs> you're not trying to fix the problem. Really quick, let's uh, turn to Revelation 22. So this is uh, Revelation 22, 1 to 5. This is from uh, John's vision of, of the heavenly Jerusalem and the river of life-giving water. It's flowing from God and from the Lamb. It's like the Holy Spirit. It's the river of God's life and love. So I'll just read this three times slowly and uh, just be present to what's going on in your heart. To acknowledge it, relate it, to be with God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then the angel showed me the river of life-giving water, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of its street, on either side of the river grew a tree of life that produces fruit 12 times a year, once each month. The leaves of the trees serve as medicine for the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will look upon his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. 
nor will they need lamp from lamp, lamp, light from lamp or sun. For the Lord God shall give them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, without end.